The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. I feel like when we gather to sing, when I call it like a little bubble of a universe, to me it's like we have to know what it feels like to then know how to bring it in the greater the greater bubbles the greater ripples until it becomes something that we we know how to feel in as an entire global community the lesson is la 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 love the lesson is love welcome to the lesson is love podcast where my guests are creative inspiring change makers i see these conversations as a brave practice of learning out loud and relating to all beings as beloved kin. Every time a person witnesses another with empathy, we shape our species a little bit closer to the best case scenario, universal fluency in life's most nourishing skill, unconditional love. I'm Grisha Stewart, best known for developing behavior adjustment training, BAT, which gives dogs with trauma or neglect histories an opportunity to safely open to connection. I'm also the founder of the Grisha Stewart Academy, a collaborative online dog school. Our global experts teach professional dog trainers and the curious public how to nurture healthy community with dogs. As an embodied human, I'm also a dog mom, wife, daughter, widow, stepmother, aunt, friend, musician, and always, always a student. Hey everybody, it's Diane here. I'm here to introduce our guest for this episode, Shireen Amini. She is a community song leader, a percussionist, and a teaching artist. And in this episode, we talk about the capacity to interrupt reactivity with care, community singing as a little bubble of a universe in which we can experience a felt sense of liberation, Shireen's recent East Coast tour with Lindsay Scott, and the philosophy of grief to activism. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Shireen. I think we'll start off with the question of what brought you joy today? What brought you joy today? <laughs> That's such a good question, especially as I am emerging from my stupor of underrestedness. I will be honest, it's a hard one for me to start with, knowing how this morning felt like just getting myself up. It's a little bit hard. <laughs> There's so much joy in my life. I'm just having a a moment of recognizing that sometimes my mind state when I'm underrested is not easily accessing that place where I know where I'm connected to to my joy. I prioritized making sure I ate pancakes before this interview. I took care of basic needs. I can say that noticing myself having compassion or as an old voice and an old narrative would be hard on myself when I'm not showing up or I don't have enough time to do all my important routine things to have noticed me go that's okay that can wait till later or it's all right it's not your fault that you're tired I don't know if joy is the word but I guess it's like a sense of gratitude gratitude that I have some voices that are kind to me even when I'm not quite fully emerged to the day. Mm-hmm. Sounds like some parts of you that are standing up for your needs that may not have always existed, like that they're stronger than they maybe used to be. Yeah. And especially when they can come through in a slightly depleted state, I'm like, I've made progress. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. 
I hear you. I'm not defaulting. You know, there's that sort of, there's this graph I see in my head, like the more depleted, the higher probability I'm going to be in my old and negative thinking patterns. <laughs> mm -hmm. like, to be yeah. depleted and still have the somewhat of a presence of my healthier thinking is, is progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that you shared that authentically. And I'm going to put a little spin of dog training in on it is that we all humans, right. Have this sort of balance of like, am I resource, right. Cause we can do our best at it, those times of resourcing, but like, can we, when we really need it, when I work with dogs who are reactive or who have reactivity, you know, issues, we label them as that, but actually they're under-resourced and we expect dogs who aren't getting enough rest to go function in society and all these things. And so I love tying in like all the mammals, right. And to recognize that like, we have the same things that dogs go through of like, mm. we're not going to do our best. And so it's like when people take their dog to a party and they've you know, they've worked on their dog being social and their dog's like good to like five people. And they're like, yay, let's see how long this lasts versus like being like, let's call it like now things are good. Let's let's shift out of here. You know, like let's meet the dog's needs. And so like you're mm -hmm. like, hey, I need pancakes. Like, <laughs> like this is going to have to happen. <laughs> yes. So Yeah. I love that connection you're drawing, especially with regard to reactivity and how under-resourcedness also, in my experience, when I'm noticing more reactivity, it's just a signal. It's just a signal that something else is not replenished enough, not tended to well enough mm -hmm. to get me in right. balance. Right. It's an opportunity almost for joy, you could say. It's like it's the pancake signal. Or <laughs> like the other day I was having an interaction and I just got so angry and I could feel like anger rising in me. And then I like remembered, like there was this little tendril of me that's like, wait a minute, you have skills here. And I was like, I'm going to take myself for a walk now. And I did some tapping on resentment because I realized it was something I wasn't asking for that I needed. Mm. And so I did tapping on resentment and it was like, oh, and like the needle went back. My tank was full again. So yeah. wise. I think when we have the capacity to catch ourselves and make a choice like that, we've made, you know, revolutionary progress in so many other bigger things, that capacity to interrupt reactivity with care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And that's a win, right? Whenever we can notice those opportunities, it's like, not like, oh, I almost messed up, but actually, yes, I noticed. Yes. <laughs> like it's about noticing sooner and yeah. Totally. Diane, do you have any anything to add in there? I loved, Shireen, that you said, it's not exactly joy. <laughs> it's not always like happy, but it is, like you said, care. And that feels so beautiful. I was taught in explicit and implicit ways for my reactivity to be triggered when I am not being what I taught is like productive and efficient and not being able to manage things. Yeah, like when that happens, there's a part of me that is so liable to be mean. And so, yeah, I'm like, it's so beautiful that you were able to 
access a part of you that is offering you grace and is offering you affirmation in your capacity that not having capacity to do all of the things like always efficient and always productive is not your fault and is not inherently wrong. Um, And that your best is a gift and Mm -hmm. is unconditionally acceptable and pancakes Mm. Our pancakes are where we're at. (laughs) They're in my belly now. Yeah. Yeah. So I honestly did not think that my pancakes would be such a centerpiece of our conversation. (laughs) You just never know, I guess. (laughs) But yeah, symbolically, they are the thing that is like, oh, this is a priority. Oh, I'm going to take care of myself. Yeah. Yeah, I was reminded of a book, I think it's called Wintering, and it's just this notion of our spirits need wintering, like there are time that we like need to slow and down and compost and like we have a certain schedule that humanity has sort of made or that we might have committed ourselves to back when summer was happening that like actually we are seasonal beings and it is okay to slow down at different times of the year or whenever we need to. Yeah. It reminds me of a phrase that I have heard and I've been using after such expansion in the summer season, I feel instinctually like a contraction and a desire to, to tend more inward, to slow down. It's really actually cool to watch how my being is still programmed like, like any other creature that exists in nature. (laughs) that actually connects with the seasons in a way. And there is like a, a shift in my patterns of whatever's going on in my physiology and attunement to different things. But I think, yeah, contraction is a really important need. I, f- I feel it very strongly after a very, very, very busy summer of outwardness, output. And I guess those same cycles can exist in a day or in a week. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I met you through community singing. And so I'm wondering, not everybody knows what community singing is. We've talked about it a little bit on the show before, but could you explain what it is to you and how you got into it? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to speak about that. Well, of course, community singing has existed since humanity became you know, a socialized species that gathers and survives in community. So it's ancient, of course, and has manifested in so many different ways culturally throughout this planet. And along the way, there's been a lot of events in history and predominant forces, and we could even say empires and agendas that have shut down our connection to singing in community especially singing too, just singing alone, meaning like there was a point in which all of a sudden it wasn't something everybody did. It was something someone did that we all sat down and watched. And the current movement of community singing to me is about reclaiming that power and that technology that has so many scientifically proven physiological benefits, but without even that awareness, we know when we experience it that there's something profound that's happening when our voices, our 
are surrounded and in sync in some way with the voices around us. To me, it becomes this bubble of, of a universe that we truly want to be living in, one where we bypass our heads and feel heart connected with, with mm -hmm. other humans. We get to experience what it's like to be a whole and relevant part, a whole with a W, relevant part of the whole with a W. <laughs> and I think so many humans in this age that were in recovery from so many, so much harm and trauma of our historical past, like we are craving that. I think in my experience, I experienced community singing in my Puerto Rican heritage, in my upbringing. I'm half Puerto Rican, half Iranian, and I was raised mostly knowing the Puerto Rican side of my family. And I already had gotten exposed to what it's like to sing drum together. It was such a high of joy and unity. But having been raised on the West Coast in America, I didn't necessarily, I didn't experience that outside of my family bubble. It was not something that was present unless you were in a religious setting. Until I started to get connected, I would say when it became something that I wanted to really be part of was when I did my sound voice and music healing certification program at CIIS in San Francisco, the California Institute of Integral Studies. And I started getting exposed to these modern modalities of getting people to sing together that was that did not have any kind of re religious doctrine connected to it. That was all about con connection, healing, building community. Some of that was through learning about circle singing, which is a Bobby McFerrin. Bobby McFerrin is the one who brought it in and sort of named it as such. It's like an improvised way of singing in circle. Um, but also through uh, Isaiah Barnwell, who was a former member of Sweet Honey in the Rock. She did a workshop on singing in the African-American lineage. And in the United States, a lot of group singing that we are familiar with, especially as it enters popular music, is drawn from African-American lineage. And to have sat with her and gone through this profound, painful journey of song through the story of, of the Black experience, and then landed at a point where she spoke to all of us. She said, the movements these days lack the music to propel them forward. And when she said that to me, I just felt a light, like a fire lit, where I was like, oh yeah, we need to bring back in this culture, in this, in this American culture and beyond, that experience of, of song and singing together as a way to, to regenerate culture, to shift the tide in this destructive path that we're on and all the old influences, patriarchy, capitalism, you know, climate destruction, all these things that have like, you know, become part of who we are. Like we were, we're trying to un, I was going to say unsing those, but that does not what I mean. I guess, you know, if those are the songs that are singing our, our bodies, we're trying to unsing those songs and, and sing new songs. And in community, there's something that is so propelling. So since then, I was starting to bring circle singing and also got introduced in one big blast of a, of a retreat experience to all the leaders of this community singing movement, like Lawrence Cole, Lisa Littlebird, and then many other of my song leader friends who now about four or five years in are like some of my dearest friends, song leader activists. And we are bringing songs forward almost, we're bringing them as medicine as they come through us, through our life experience, through whatever it is that we're trying to bring that counteracts the historical trends. And we're also designing them specifically for community singing. 
So they're simpler and easy to learn, call and echo. And this phenomenon is really, yeah, taking fire everywhere, all over the world. Just yesterday I was on a, a call with a, a community of song leaders in Europe. And I think a lot, a lot of people are having this calling awakened to bring song back in. So I'm feeling it too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. I realized that the term might be sort of rewinding, like we're sort of rewinding through song. We're like unwinding the sort of like the vines of capitalism and the vines of like, there's certain like things that grow artificially fast that aren't like really meant for our beings. And it's like, we're sort of unwinding those and like getting back to our, our roots. I don't know if yes, that I like it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I did a song in, I was teaching a, like a dog training talk uh, in the UK a couple of weeks ago. And I, I was like, I'm going to lead a song. We don't, don't normally do song leading and dog training. So I have this like auditorium of 200 people who have never, most of them sung in community. And so I just taught mm -hmm. them and they were just so ecstatic. They, yeah, it just, it's the medicine we need. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And what you're pointing out is this idea of bringing song everywhere in all the different places, especially where it maybe wouldn't be expected as a way of like refreshing, refreshing the possibility of those spaces mm -hmm. to be singing spaces for people, even people who aren't showing up to sing might experience what singing together can do. Or whatever you're gathered for mm -hmm. yeah and my intention there was that our i think like many communities it's sort of dog training has fractured a bit like there's so much that's done online now with just you know the written word and it's so easy for that to get skewed and so i just i just wanted us to connect in a soul way like i wanted us to remember our humanity together and so I have a song called I Choose to Be Here. And so that was kind of fun to do. Diane, do you have any ads right now? Yes. Oh, I forgot the exact words, but you said them earlier, Shireen. But it was like along the lines of like the embodiment of what we all crave, which is to be like a relevant part of a whole and to like to really feel belonging. So the last person we interviewed was Aaron Johnson. Mm -hmm. And we talked with him about like how singing and some other activities are like reclamations of these practices that, like you said, we've had in our different communities um, since time immemorial and how doing it the way that y'all do it is like really shifting it from performance to to a practice of just being yes and yeah when you were talking about movement spaces and how or you are referencing what one of your um teachers said about movement spaces i think about that often about how like how with the severity of violence that 
we face in our marginalized identities and what our kin face in their identities, like how there's so much political action that needs to happen around it in order to protect those people like as much as we can. Mm -hmm. But how like, I think a lot of the times it then becomes so, so hard to even begin to touch the feeling of that pain mm -hmm. and what your teacher said about like we need more songs i'm just like yeah we do need more songs because it also has to be like a felt thing mm -hmm. and music i think is one of those things like you said that can help us remember that mm -hmm. and that can also call into us that we're that like the feeling is part of it mm -hmm. and that it yeah. doesn't just exist in the space of like politics or activism it is also about being and belonging and kinship yeah mm -hmm. yes it's not just a concept these, these practices help us feel what it would feel like which is part of why i feel like when we gather to sing, when I call it like a little bubble of a universe, to me, it's like, we have to know what it feels like to then know how to bring it in the greater, the greater bubbles, the greater ripples until it becomes something that we, we know how to feel in as an entire global community. Um, how it's like the vision needs to be fed by, by a felt sense of knowing and and then we can we can create or we can identify it when we find it out outside of those little bubbles they become yeah they become the thing that help like that we carry with us to help us bring it everywhere <laughs> mm. i love that the vision needs to be fed by a felt sense of knowing mm. yeah 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 i love that and when we interviewed david wilcox at the beginning of our series one of the things he talked about was starting with a feeling when he writes his songs and like writing it into existence. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. Right. Yeah. I'm like having a whole moment right now, mm. to be honest with you, because like you just put into words something that I have been sitting with like not hyperbole for years, but I just wanted to thank you because I'm like, wow, I have not been able to verbalize or put words to that idea and that notion that like all of this, all of the relational stuff and the felt sense of belonging and loving and safety is paramount to any sort of sustained change yes. that we want to make on any large scale. And like, I think for a long time, I was caught in this loop of being like, oh, maybe that's just me because I'm like a very sensitive person and naturally very emotional. 
but I'm like, you framed it so well. It's like in accessing that, it actually expands possibility in a tangible way when we have experienced that, when we experience that with other people and that we know it's an option Mm -hmm. that we do not have to live like seeped in destruction. This world does not have to be what it is now. Yeah. So thank you. Yes. Not a huge pivot because I also think that looking at the Instagram post you made of your experience touring the East Coast, that that was a lot of really profound emotional connection that you experienced. And of course, all the things like it seems like it went like explosive in some ways and then it turned into a song that like could connect some things and and like co-writing and yeah. So like in what ways was your world sort of enlarged of what's possible through that experience that you just did, that tour? Oh, yeah. It's a great question because indeed what you're speaking to is my my tour with Lindsay Scott on the East Coast. We did in September, three weeks, two weekend song gatherings, and then a bunch of song circles in different cities in between. It absolutely expanded possibility for me about what song can do and gathering community in song and song as a place in which we can set new cultural frameworks for how we actually want the world to be but inviting that into just the context of singing as a as a micro practice and in changing those cultural norms collaborating with Lindsay Scott was was incredible for that piece especially because she and I carry such deep prayer and vision that that aligns very much with how we both want to see change in this world and and how we want to see all beings cared for. So we were able to, over the, I think, like nine song circles we did together. So we started to create a, a, a system of, of the most important things that we wanted to weave in every circle and different ways to weave those in. And then we also together created something, I think was what was trying to be birthed when we decided to come together to do this tour together, which was how to embed inside of a song circle experience the breadth of grief to activism. Because in both of our philosophies, we can't bypass what it is that we carry in our own bodies, our own trauma, and go to action or else our action is coming from a less grounded, healed place. And healed is obviously not even quite the word because healing is just this endless unfolding process. But inside of a song circle experience, to to not start at activism, to start at to start at grief, but then to not forget again bypass. Let's not forget the realities of the world. And there's a song of Lindsay's in particular that was holding her prayer for abolition, that we we sang together. And over the course of these circles, we started to develop this way of leading this song that invited what Lindsay calls everyone's heartbreak for the world, like everyone's heart breaks for something in the world and everyone and all of that matters. So even though the song is birthed as a prayer for abolition because of Lindsay's heartbreak for caging humans to serve a 
you know, an economic system and a and a system of punishment. In that song space, she we would invite other things to be named, and as we did that, it the grief would just flow. The grief would start to flow collectively. And to me, that was like the hub of what's possible inside of song space is that we can be both connected to our pain and trauma and, and tending to our own healing and also be grieving the sorrows of the world raging or whatever, however expression, we can just do this. We can just come together and do this. And to me, that's where our power lies, not in all having the same ideology. There's something different there. And the more that we experienced this across our travels and tours, the more I started to like, really like the evidence sinking in that this, this way is a powerful way, this, this way of gathering in song. And not just gathering in song, but gathering in song with a lot of intention around how we're choosing to hold each other in this space, how we're choosing to reframe things, old narratives that we bring in from the outside world. For me, as someone who's lived the life of a musician, which has also been performance oriented and been kind of a little lost about which branch of my musical work is the most vital, my performance work, my songwriting, my song leading, drumming, teaching, like it really like brought everything together for me that this is where it's at. <laughs> it doesn't take away from these other branches that I that I love doing, but it definitely showed me that it deepened my belief in it. You see it after a while. You see people being activated and, and connecting in this deep way together. And it's hard to not be like, okay, this is this is at least something I can do in this world in my lifetime is facil help facilitate this. Something like that. <laughs> Exactly like that. Yeah, you create really potent spaces. That is so incredible. Like, and that is such a gift to the world and is so in service of our collective liberation. Yeah. Because I'm like, we need that. And we need people who can hold those spaces and facilitate those spaces and that is yeah I'm just like that's so so important yeah. and so I hear you on like because of the world we live in because we need to make enough money to pay rent and tend to our material needs and like navigate government stuff, like all that stuff. We have to mm -hmm. make decisions on where we put our time and energy and like, I mean, and also with all the conditioning about what's valuable and what's not valuable. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, I'm so happy for you that you had that experience and that you feel grounded in that because, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like that is an amazing thing to do with a lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and it, it is such a gift to all the people who get to experience that with you. Mm. 
And to hear it here, right? There's there's others who will also be inspired because it takes it takes as many of us as can be fully alive as possible. Yes. And that it's a it's a sharing. And we've been sort of taught by something in the world to compete. Like there's a small amount of resource versus like actually this is there's a lot like mm-hmm. everyone could be a community song leader and we would still have, there would still be a perfect place, you know, for Shireen. Yeah. And, and, and of course we all, we meet that need in different ways. Like dog trainers, for example, the mm-hmm. the shift for my field has been out of first teaching obedience to teaching more knowledge, sort of like it sort of parallels kind of the way that humanity I think has been, groomed recently Mm. to empowering the dogs to be themselves and make their own choices. And then to like, oh, wait, we're collaborating and we have needs and they have needs. And so that's like the dog world has sort of paralleled some of the the liberation movements in other places of rather than teaching being about conveying information, it's about like sparking wisdom. And Mm. and there's so much wisdom in emotion. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that that's carried through song because song is words, but it's also there's a feel like it gets to the the root of our bodies. And so we're connected in ways that we wouldn't otherwise be connected. Not that we sing to dogs, although we can like the metaphor kind of lost its way at the end there. But yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear that that what you're speaking to we're evolving our consciousness to hold all beings with a different level of respect and care and sort of trying to retrain ourselves that power over is not necessary in fact it's inhibiting of of what's actually possible for all of us in collaboration whether it's us with other humans or us with uh, other animals Right. It's ultimately destructive. And it's like how we do one thing is how we do all the things. Right. And it's like that moment of choosing to nourish with pancakes or not, or like go out and do tapping or not is the same like skill set of connecting to dogs without needing leash corrections. It's the same skill set as like connecting to another human and saying, here's the way old way I was responding. And, and actually I just want to connect to you as a real person yeah right all the layers gone Mm. yeah are you prepared to do any singing today i could yeah so this song is called we got the light and it's the first song i ever wrote specifically for community singing that was meant to be sung through marginalized bodies the reason being I had had some challenging experiences with with having some people close to me who don't share some of the identities I have, not seeing something that to me felt so important. And that's unfortunately what happens from more centered people who live inside of bodies whose identities are more centered in this society, perhaps more privileged. So in that process, I had to go through so much anger. I had to go through so much disdain, judgment to reach a point where when I finally was able to drop in more from a heart space, 
with this person. I saw their humanity. I, I saw that we share the same desire to lead with love. It's just some of us have a perspective that you may not see. And we all have a perspective that someone doesn't see. And that, that especially when it's a perspective that can allow us to hold better more of the living world, more of humanity, more of the living world, then I think it's worthy to listen. So the song is We Got the Light and it has a few different parts. I support people to learn the song and to share it, just requesting that the story is held with the song that it was meant to be a way of empowering people with marginalized identities to own that they have a perspective that can offer care for more of, of humanity if those who don't see what we see are willing to see. <laughs> so we go. First part goes like this. We got the light, let the light shine in. We got the light. We got the light, let the light shine in. We got the light. We got the light, let the light shine in. We got the light. We got the light, let the light shine in. We got the light. We got the light. With love, we're shining it. We got the light. With love, we're shining it. We got the light. With love, we're shining it. We got the light. With love, we're shining it. I may see something you don't see. Will you let the light shine in? You are human just like me. Will you let the light shine in? We got the light with love. We're shining it. We got the light with love. We're shining it. We got the light with love. We're shining it. We got the light with love. We're shining it. I may see something you don't see. Will you let the light shine in? You are human or an animal just like me. Will you let the light shine in? We got the light, let the light shine in. We got the light. We got the light, let the light shine in. We got the light. We got the light, let the light shine in. We got the light. We got the light, let the light shine in. We got the light. It's amazing. It's definitely a, everybody get up and dance as we sing this truth together. <laughs> I'm over here silently singing, well, loudly and on mute. <laughs> Good, mm. that's what it's meant to, it's yeah. meant to be sung with. Thank you for that. And that's a, a wonderful tie-in of all the things we just said. And it also ties really well to the theme of the podcast, the lesson is love. And the fact that there are so many dog trainers in here, thank you for modifying it to be animal or being, because that is something that 
there's so many perspectives that we just do not see. And there's so much harm that can be done when we don't take the time to honor those perspectives. Yeah, exactly. And certainly with our fellow humans. Totally. And the lesson from my end to being like, to not stop at the place where my, my grief is in a state of anger, to move that anger into truth and back into a willingness to embrace others with a level of grace and compassion as well, even if they don't see at first. And if they're not willing to see, to not waste my energy and my heart on trying to change that person's perspective. But the invitation is all of us, if we have just a little door cracked open <laughs> for some light to come in that we may you know, not have seen before that we all be headed in a, a good direction. Thank you, Shireen. Yeah. Shireen Amini. <laughs> Yay. Thank you for living a better world into being. I appreciate you. Thank you. The lesson is love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love. This work of universal love takes all of us. So if you think this podcast might inspire someone you know, please share it with them. The Lesson is Love is a project of the Grisha Stewart Academy and Empowered Animals, produced by the thoughtful Diane Redding and me, Grisha Stewart. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. Please check out my academy to learn more about thriving in community with dogs. May you be free from suffering. May you know you belong. May you live a life of meaning and purpose. And with every choice, may you turn toward love. The lesson is la 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 love. The lesson is love.